Well, good morning, Northern Hills Church. It is good to be with you here this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm our Connections Pastor, one of the teachers here at the church. And so welcome if it is your first time. We are thrilled you're spending your Sunday morning with us. If that is in person or if that's online and all of you that are joining us online, welcome to you as well. We're in the last week of our teaching series, and this teaching series has been called Real. We've been spending some time over the first three weeks of this series. I want to encourage you to go back if you missed anything. Just spending time talking about mission, and we've been diving into our mission here as a church because we want everybody that really comes through the walls of Northern Hills Church that finds themselves now going and serving and being ambassadors of Jesus outside of the four walls of Northern Hills Church to encounter the real love of Jesus to discover their real purpose, and to become bold agents of real change. And so we believe in the equation of real love plus real purpose is going to equal real change in each of our lives. Uh, That's something we believe in, not just as a branding, not just as a logo you'll see on a shirt, although you're going to see all those things on our website and whatnot that point to our, our mission. We believe in it as a lifestyle. We believe that this is a mission of life that can um, make our lives very impactful. Uh, All of us want our lives to count. All of us want our lives to matter. And so we believe in real love plus real purpose. It will equal real change. And so we've been digging into the reels a little bit. Just how does this impact my life? How does it impact my everyday? I want to spend some time talking to us today about becoming bold agents of real change. So when I say that, Where where does your mind go? Becoming bold agents of real change. Does that feel a little overwhelming when you hear that part of the mission? Um, Because I got to be honest with you, as I was really just dwelling on it and preparing for this teaching, becoming bold agents of real change, impactful change in our families, in our our marriages, with our kids, with our communities that are around us, bold agents of real change in our workplaces. That can feel a little bit overwhelming. It can feel a little bit, maybe that's not for me, and I'm only just confessing to you where I was sitting with that because I have enough time, uh, enough difficult time with normal change in my everyday I haven't changed a taillight <laughs> for a while in my wife's car and my own car. It's tough to get to that change, uh, changing a simple taillight, but becoming bold agents of real change. How does that sit with you? How does that sit with you when it comes to just change in your life and what you're going through to, to maybe start something and maybe stop something? Do you ever wonder, maybe it's just me, do you ever wonder when you go to make significant change? And you're trying to change, and you're trying to change, but nothing ever sticks. Do you wonder where that comes from? Do you wonder why you can't make the changes you want to? Does anybody else get frustrated with that, or does that end up just being me? Because what I want to do today is allow us to be able to look at this idea of change as it moves us towards becoming bold agents of real change. And I want us to look at a scripture that I think many of us, especially if you grew up in the church, are going to be really familiar with. But I want us to maybe take a little different take on it, maybe a a little different glance, maybe it uh, can be reframed in our minds a little bit. Because if we're honest with one another, if you live long enough, it becomes kind of depressing when you start realizing the thing that I wanted to tackle this year was the same thing I wanted to tackle last year. 
The same thing I wanted to change or start or stop in my life was the same thing I was trying to do last year, and now it's just reverberating uh, because I'm there again. I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions, but those New Year's resolutions can sometimes bleed over from year to year as well. That's just sort of how it goes sometimes. So often I want to make changes and I want to make them and I'll succeed potentially for a day. Maybe I'll take that to a week and a week leads to a, a couple of weeks. But inevitably, maybe a month in, maybe even shorter than that, something seems to go back to that habit I was trying to break or that thing I wanted to start, the thing I wanted to stop doing. And um, I, I was looking this up this last week. I don't know where you tend to fall uh, when it comes to maybe some unhealthy habits, things you want to change. But if you make a New Year's resolution, I don't know if you knew this, I read this. If you make a New Year's resolution and you keep it all the way to Valentine's Day, some of you know this, you're actually in the top percentile of those who actually follow through with change in their lives. Because believe it or not, 80%, 80% of New Year's resolutions end up falling apart or failing by the second week of February. The second week of February. So why is that? And I'm hoping that I can show us today exactly what God's word says about this subject and maybe how we can step into some new change because all of us, we're trying and we're trying to start something new or we're trying to stop something old, but falling back into those old patterns are easy, right? Some of us here, you're like, okay, I want to I wanna stop overeating. I want to start exercising. I need to figure out the, the break there of where, where it's stopping to do this one thing and maybe start this new, new thing. Some of us are trying to stop smoking. Some of us are trying to stop looking at things maybe we shouldn't be looking at online or on our phones, right? Some of us are trying to start something. We're trying to start living on a budget. We're trying to stop the useless spending that seems to play out in our lives, right? And so it falls into those start-stop patterns all the time. And again, we'll do it for a little while. But isn't it like us to just get sucked back in to the very thing we wanted to avoid? So if we're to look to become bold agents, I'll go back to that big idea, bold agents of real change in our marriages, our families, our communities. I believe most of it, we're all smart here. <laughs> You're all smart people. I believe we know that starts with God. And, but some of us are even trying to get that going. I'm trying to start reading the Bible a little bit more, trying to start praying more faithfully, starting to maybe serve at the church or, or, or stop doing that one thing that, that I know keeps me not coming to church or not being around community because it's, it's that guilt and shame that the enemy's throwing arrows my way. And so I just want to get that out of my life before I start this faith journey. And this start-stop keeps happening. Why is it so hard to change? Why is it that we fall into those same old patterns? As we reframe the struggle, because we're smart people, <laughs> let's all just go back to God's word. Let's start digging in. Let's take a look at his word this morning. And we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says, again, and what I think will be very familiar to many that grew up in the church, or even if you've popped in the church here and there, you've maybe heard this specific scripture. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start today with verse 24. It says, don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. I want you to hold on to that. Pin that. They do it to win a prize. 
that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training, there's that word again, to do what it should. See, I love this passage because I think what Paul's taking us to is a place many of us are familiar with our everyday, especially if you're competitive in anything. But Paul was talking to this, or he was using, excuse me, this competitive metaphor as he's talking to an audience that would have clearly understood his perspective. See, he's writing to the Corinthians, and Corinth was a city in Greece. The people of Greece understood what he was talking about because every four years, Greece hosted the Olympic Games. And people from all over the world would come together to compete. We're familiar with the Olympics. We just got off an Olympic season. We know the competition that goes behind that. But also in Corinth, they hosted basically their own smaller local version of these Olympics. And this was known as the Isthmian Games. All right? And so there were specific competitions. If you were born in Corinth, you could train to enroll in a competition to be a wrestler. You could go and compete in chariot races. You could go compete in boxing. Now get this, in the Isthmian Games, believe it or not, you could actually compete in poetry reading. Poetry reading was a sport in Corinth, which feels like there's a joke there somewhere. I feel like there's, or at least I should be making some, but before you think I'm going to make a joke about the poets and you didn't even know it, I'm not going there because here's the deal. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't always as cool as I represent up here, okay? I know some of that, some of you, that's just extremely shocking to you that, I, that in my younger days I might have been a little bit more nerdier than I am now. So shocking to you, right? But here's, here's some of the things that I'm very proud of. These are my like top three moments that happened in my life when I was growing up. As a fifth grader, as a fifth grader, I was able to, um, actually, this was in my elementary years. Sorry, I, I, I was trying to move up a little quicker. But in my elementary years, I punched the bully of our, well, that is elementary, fifth grade. Where am I at? I, I guess I am getting a little dated. Fifth grade, I punched the bully in, in our fifth grade class. And I was just proud of that moment because the bully was just like any bully we grew up with. I'm not promoting violence, but it was just one of those moments where you stood up to the guy that everyone else was afraid of. And the bully also laid me flat out on my, that fifth grade playground. And I don't remember much after that. But it was a proud moment for me because I remember, gosh, this is, this is what it means to stand up against the fears of life and the people you're afraid of. It moved on to my second proudest moment, which was as in the seventh grade year. I sang a love song to my seventh grade crush. Her name was Michelle. I went in front of the classroom and sang Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. I have no idea why I chose that song. That's not really even a love song, but I was like, I'm stopping with the man in the... And I was just, I'm literally declaring my love, right? So I, it was a proud moment again because it was one of... Michelle, if you're watching, it wasn't proud for you, and I apologize and that was a real big mess. I know I'm sad you had to experience that. It, I was proud of it. I was proud of it because I, I was going to do anything for love. And it was sort of that moment. But my third proudest moment growing up was in eighth grade year of middle school being part of the coming of age play. And the coming of age play was sort of our first production as middle schoolers. I had a poetry reading. 
I had a poetry reading that I just went for. I went crazy for it. There were people that were cheering and laughing and maybe throwing up in their mouth a little bit. I don't know, because they were feeling just sorry for that little skinny middle school boy that was belting out this poetry with all he had. I didn't care. I didn't care because I was going to give it my all and put on a show and make sure people were there for it and enjoyed it, right? So I say that because I'm not going to make fun of poetry. Had I been in Corinth years ago, I might have entered into the Isthmian Games and sang some poetry, right, or recited some poetry. But here's what I would have done, and I would like to hope I would have done. I would have done it to win. I would have done it to give my all. That's what Paul's talking about to this group that understood competition, that understood the form of what this competition was, that valued and celebrated the thrill of victory. Because look what he says in verse 24. I just want to look at it again. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win run to win. If you're going to run, what are you going to run to do? You're going to run to win. That's what he's talking about. Now, I just want to just pause for a second there because I'm just curious. How many of you genuinely like to win? How many of you genuinely like to win? All right. Some of you actually did that really quick. And I think you were doing that raising hand really quick because you just wanted to win. All right. Just in the room. I'm, I, I, I do, I do, I do, I do, Brandon. Some of you like to win. And, and here's what's interesting about that. Um, I think some people, this is, in my opinion, is maybe a wrong framing of that. Uh, not maybe. I, I believe that it is a wrong framing of that. Some people would go as far to say, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be competitive. That you should be loving and not competitive. And if that's a true statement, then my favorite person in this whole wide world didn't get that memo. Okay? Okay. My wife loves to win, all right? My wife loves to win. I want to be really, really clear. My wife loves Jesus Christ, and she loves to win. When we first met, I can remember some of the things as simple card games. Games like Speed or Uno or Crazy Eights, whatever your sort of card game is. This woman wanted to beat me consistently. She did beat me a lot. <laughs> I thought I was competitive. But it even taken now, we just got done celebrating our 18-year anniversary. It's moved that fast forward into our marriage with our kids. Our kids don't win any games if my wife's playing those games. Because <laughs> she loves to win, people. Like, literally, we're playing Life or Monopoly or Yahtzee. And she's like, everything changes in her, this little lovely, dainty woman. Her spirit, like the eyes get more, more intense. The focus is like more there, right? And she believes in the gospel of Ricky Bobby, the great theologian, Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. That's her motto. That's how she rolls. And she's very, very competitive, looking to win. But here's what I love about Jenny. Here's what I love about that makeup and that kind of mentality. I think we forget that we're in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the principalities. It is against the dark and evil one and his forces in our lives, throwing arrows our way consistently. But we serve the Lord of Lords. We serve the King of Kings. We serve a great God who wins. Who wins. And he calls us what? 
more than conquerors. I love that about God. See, we have victory in Jesus Christ. And if you've chosen to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're following a winner. You're following a winner. Good on you, right? And if we'll notice, Paul doesn't say, he's not saying here, run. Run just so you can place. <laughs> run so, so you can finish. He says run to win. And if you, don't, if you don't stick with the Apostle Paul or you're not into the theologian Ricky Bobby, that's fine. But there's another great Greek philosopher, and his name was Epictetus. And he said this about these specific races, about these Olympic games, these Isthmian games. He says, if you withdraw without sufficient reason, you'll be whipped. That's what this great Greek philosopher once said. If you quit because you're lazy, because you're tired, or feel pathetic, you'll be whipped. And this whipping will come after your training, which involves thirst and broiling heat. And supposedly, he, he has another quote of swallowing handfuls of sand. In other words, if you're going to compete, you better compete to win. You better run to win. And you're, okay, Brandon, great. <laughs> I'm not that competitive. <laughs> I'm not... I have no idea where you're going with that. I think what I'm just trying to attempt to do is to set in motion that many of us, we will make excuses just for life. We'll make excuses, and I get it. Life's tough. We're in a broken place, in a broken world. But I think sometimes those excuses, and sometimes the making of those excuses, they'll lead us to a place of not giving God our best, of not even attempting to give God our best. Write this down if you're taking notes. Never, never make an excuse to give God your best. See, sometimes we look at Christianity like a participation sport. If I pray this prayer, if I invite Jesus into my heart and my life, then you know what? Sign, sealed, delivered, have heaven, have eternity, good to go. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. And so we treat it a little bit like this mediocre life of faith. Well, sort of when I can. And the point I'm just trying to encourage us towards is if we're going to run, let's run to win. Let's run to win. And Scripture sets this up for us, I think, consistently. I am not saying, I am not saying, because those emails are coming, I'm not saying that we're going to look to uh, earn the grace of Jesus. I'm not saying Scripture anywhere points out that we need to earn the love of Jesus or that, that we're trying to win over Jesus. But the Scripture is clear that there's some pretty lofty assignments for people from the kingdom of God. I mean, look at the garden. Look at Adam and Eve and what they're assigned with. Go and fill the earth and subdue it. <laughs> That's a pretty lofty goal. In other words, go reproduce. Go conquer go out and kill your food, bring it home, eat up. It's yours to have, it's yours to bring it home, it's yours to build something significant. If you're going to be on this earth, go do something while you're on this earth. It's very intentional. And in the New Testament, Matthew 25, I love how Jesus tells a story. We've heard this story a lot of times, we call these stories parables. He t Jesus tells a story about this owner, this, this manager who gives three different guys some talents, a form of money back in the day. And two of those guys, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, two of those guys go out to compete. They actually go out to compete. Truly, they want to win and they play to win. They invested what they had. 
They multiplied. They doubled their investment. The master comes back. Well done. <laughs> you won. Good job, my good and faithful servant. The other guy, the third guy, he didn't even look to play. He wasn't even trying to get in the game. He didn't show up. He kept what he had. He didn't look to invest in anything at all. The master looks at him and he calls him. What, do you remember what he calls him? He calls him lazy. In fact, he goes as far to call him, you wicked and lazy man. In other words, you lost. <laughs> give me what you have. I'm going to give it to some other people that want to play the game. I want to give it to some other, two other guys that are going to at least take some swings, even if they take some swings and misses. And I'm not trying to set up a straw man this morning, okay? A straw man that can easily be knocked down. I get that, that in the gospel, I get that in God's word, I get the makeup of Jesus, humility, servanthood, they're all key to understanding how God's formed us. I have preached on servanthood and humility hundreds of times, and I'm going to continue to do so because there's nuance in scripture. There's nuance in the way God's formed us and made us. I'm asking us to look at this a little differently this morning and see what God wants for each of our lives. I'm asking us to think differently as we lean into nuance. And some of us, we're making excuses to give God our best. Think of the Great Commission. The Great Commission given to disciples. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Discipling. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say to my disciples, sleep in late. Go ahead and be mediocre. Go ahead and just live a life where you're just getting by. Waste your life looking at social media. Waste your life showing up just for the participation trophy because at least you prayed the prayer right? In everything we do, in everything we do as followers of Jesus Christ, we do it unto the Lord. And that's Brandon. That's the Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle Paul saying, if you're gonna run, run to win. So when it comes to being bold agents of real change, are we winning? I, I'm just asking honestly, are we, as people of the kingdom of God, are we winning? Pointing people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Are we making progress by seeing our marriages, our families, our communities truly changed? Are we winning? Are we achieving the goals that we set out to achieve? Are we changing the things in our lives that we've wanted to see changed? For so long and if your answer to that question is i'm not sure or if your answer to that question is even just a blatant no i don't think we are here's what i would say about that if you haven't seen anything change i i i'm speaking for my own life the answer is because we've been trying for too long we have been trying for too long that's been true of my life. That's for someone today. That's been true for your life. I think the Christians I engage with, I, I experience this in my own and theirs. Uh, just write this down. I think Christians have adopted a theology of trying. I think Christians have adopted a theology of trying. What are, what are we doing? Well, I'm trying to serve God. <laughs> I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to go to church trying to pray more or, or read my Bible more. I'm trying to stop smoking, trying to stop cussing, trying to be nice to my kids, 
trying to be more loving. I'm trying not to worry so much. I'm trying not to eat the whole thing. Trying to exercise. Brandon, I'm trying, I'm trying. Brandon, just if you knew, if you knew my life, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying not to look anymore. I'm trying so hard to change my thought patterns. I'm, I'm trying not to lose my temper. I'm trying so hard not to spend more than I have. I'm trying to spend more time with my kids, my, my wife. Try not to be in debt. I'm trying. But why aren't we changing? Why aren't we changing? Because I think we've been trying for too long. We've adopted this theology of trying. We've made it gospel in our lives. And so I've come to speak to one person today. If that person's just me today. That's an okay thing. But I, I think it's time. It's time to stop trying and it's time to start training. That's the word that Paul's given us. That's the one I said to Penn. And I can remember years ago being at a men's ministry conference it was actually what we would call our retreat, our men's advance, because men don't retreat. And so we would go to our men's advance in Estes Park, and I remember Pastor Rob Kelly getting up in front of a group of men that had come, giving their resumes, and giving all the things they were doing, and looking every guy dead in the face and saying, it's time to stop trying. We're trying too much in this world. we got to start training. we got to start trusting and when we do those two things, that's going to remove some of that trying state, right? Here's the thing with trying. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Well, what's the difference? Trying never really achieves consistent results. <laughs> training does. Trying never changes anything for the long game. But training, there's an entirely different mindset and perspective. I just want to break out the differences for a minute. What do you do when you're trying? What is trying? Trying is attempting to change, but it's with minimal commitment because it's often this half-hearted attempt. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying not to be lazy. I'm trying to get in better shape. But what you're trying, it almost implies that you're planning to fail, that the plan is to fail. It's sort of just this wish, or I'm going to bring a little to that or a little bit to that one thing in my life. Not too much. I'm just trying, but you're not getting anywhere. It's just an, a, a swing, but it's not really even that full of a, uh, I'm, I'm going to knock this out of the park kind of swing, you know? And training, I think training is a whole different thing because it's a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. You want to know another difference between trying and training? If you're trying, you show up hoping for a better result. I hope this works out. I hope I can tackle this. I mean, I'm trying to do it. But when you're training, get the, you got a game plan, don't you, when you're training for something? you got a strategy. you got a little bit of this winning mentality going into there. Little, I am going to knock it out of the park. I'm going to be like Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3. i got the eye of the tiger on this baby, right? The eye of the tiger. Like, right? There's a little bit more, there's a little bit more winning within the training, and the Apostle Paul, he says it this way, everyone who competes in the games, they go into strict, what did I pin, pin it? Strict training. Instead of trying to get ready to compete, they go into strict training. When an athlete would compete in the Olympic games, I mean, come on, we know this. We just got off the Olympics. They would go into also the intense, rigorous buildup, the training regimen 
on a very, very specific level to be ready to compete to win. So I'm sure those things meant strict diets, no wine, no alcohol. They would run a certain amount of time each day, no kind of junk food. They would expose themselves to all kinds of elements, the extreme cold, the extreme heat. They would go into that, I mean, obviously, eating some kind of sand along the way, according to one guy, right? They weren't trying to compete. They were training to win. And there's a difference. So we want real change. <laughs> we want to become bold agents of real change. We've got to stop trying. We've got to start training. So what does training look like? I'm going to keep it really simple for us this morning. Let's just define it this way. Write this down. Training is intentionally doing something today. Training is intentionally doing something today that's going to enable me to do more tomorrow. Training is intentionally doing something today that's going to enable me to do that much more tomorrow. And so you might be training for a marathon. How many of you are ready to run a marathon today? Some of you are ready. But there's very few hands. There's a lot more that I want to win, right? We're not all ready to run a marathon. But how many of us could run a mile today? Maybe a few more hands. How many of us could walk a mile? Maybe a few more hands, right? If you're walking that mile, you're training. All you're doing is paving the way, doing something intentionally today that's going to enable you to do more tomorrow. What if the debt? (laughs) Brandon, you don't know what kind of debt I'm in. I couldn't get out of my debt in a year. You're going to ask me maybe to think about getting in and out of this out of the next month, the next six months. Today, you bring your coffee to work. Instead of buying a $6 Starbucks coffee and you're training. That's how this works, right? Oh, I want to get, I want to grow in my walk with God. So instead of looking on your phone on a number of other different apps that are only going to discourage you or make you question your worth, you flip to that Bible app. Start a daily Devo. Start that one day and just take in God's word. God's all-purposed, powerful, shaping, molding, giving me purpose word. And all of a sudden, you did that Bible app for that one day, you're training. Intentionally doing something today that will enable me to do more tomorrow. If we're looking to become bold agents of real change, we're going to commit to stop trying and we're going to start training. And this is what I love. This is what I love about our entire mission and how it all brings it together. Write this last note down for this morning. Training is possible because of trust. See, you might have wondered, (laughs) well, where's God in all this, Brandon? This sort of feels like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's get after it. Let's do it. We're going to train. Again, just following Paul, just looking to the apostle Paul. But this is what I love about how God has imprinted the mission of Northern Hills. Think about it for a minute. What are the two pieces before we become bold agents of real change? We said we will encounter the real love of Jesus, encountering the love plus discovering your real purpose. We will discover who we are. Those two will equal becoming bold agents of real change. Training begins with trust. Because when you begin to encounter the real love of Jesus, not some Jesus you've formed in your mind, 
but the true Jesus Christ of the word. And it reframes who he is. And then that leads you to discovering your real purpose. Pastor John put it this way last week. It's not about what you're doing in your purpose. It's about who you're becoming, who God's shaping you and molding you to be. So when you begin to have those two in line with one another, what are you doing? You're trusting God more because you're encountering the real God, the real Jesus Christ. You're becoming who you were meant to be, discovering and becoming who God made you to be. Not this false person, not this poser that maybe you've been walking for a while. You're discovering your real purpose. You're trusting more in who God is and how God made you. And that's what's going to allow us to train. To train and stop trying. Can I just share with you this is my story? <laughs> This whole last year, navigating this garbage, this, this real painful stuff, this broken stuff with my mom, there are things that I have in my life that I continue to revert to, and I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to break free of. And so I'm just preaching, I'm just teaching something that's meant for me more than it's meant for anybody in this room. But I believe it's for someone in this room. I believe it's for someone online that we've got to release and let go and stop trying and just build a game plan. Doing one thing today, one thing intentionally today that's going to help frame my tomorrow. And I love this. I love what Paul says here. 1 Corinthians 9.26, he says, So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. So let's just trust. Trust our God that he's going to give us the power to take one step at a time. You don't need to bite this off in one huge elephant-sized chunk. I'm going to trust God to help me today, Lord, and I'm going to trust that tomorrow you have a next step for me. I'm going to build a plan. I'm going to stop trying to change. I don't want to participate anymore. I want to run to win because I want to give you my best. This life matters. And I don't want to make any excuse but to follow you, Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, God, we are trusting you. We are trusting you to help build our, our plan, God. <laughs> Your plan for our lives the training that we need to get after to see real change, God. Stop doing this in of our own power and our own strength, God. We have nothing. We have nothing to bring, but we have you in us that makes us more than conquerors. So it's because of you, Jesus, that we have everything. So would you help us to just let go, to start encountering your real love to start discovering how you've made us Lord and when we trust that more help us to start training we want to make a difference in this world we want to become bold agents of change and see world our world change our communities change our families change because of the great power of Jesus Christ we will look to you we will give you all the credit thank you for being God pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.